we recite some poetry, question the reliability of dreams, and then have a lot of talk about grandmas and the love of radio on this episode of the Wax Poetic Podcast. Hi there. My guest today is Will Cleveland. And hello, Will. How are you doing? Hello, Levi. Good to see you. And who are you? Like, what do you do? Well, I am an improv teacher and director. I work at Cold Town Theater. And I'm a writer and an actor. Nice. All right, Will. And um, what album do we have today that we're talking about? So, so that's it. That's the name of the album. So, <laughs> so. Peter Gabriel's 1986 masterpiece. So, I, I think I will agree with you that it is a masterpiece. I, I was only familiar with the hits from this album. I knew big time. It's a lot of them. A lot of hits. Yeah, yeah, and and I think Sledgehammer is actually like a personal go-to karaoke song for me. Me too. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge song. It is. It was huge at the time, and it's it's always been. There's a lot to talk about with this album. Uh, Definitely. I will say it is a masterpiece. It is a timeless masterpiece. I think that's uh, something to be considered. I don't know if the two go hand in hand. You probably think that <laughs> if you were able to make a masterpiece that it would probably have the qualifier of being timeless it probably just goes hand in hand with that yeah i i would think so as well i mean it's definitely definitely 80s oh yeah it's a bookmark of the 80s but you know it, it just it transcends it's more than that it's more than like uh tears for fears or duran duran album <laughs> Yeah, it is definitely 80s, but it does feel it could have even been a 90s and I would not have known any better. What was the first thing you heard from this? Was it Sledgehammer or how did you how did this enter your life? Um, probably Sledgehammer. I I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, Searcy, Arkansas. And I remember watching MTV when I was really young. Oh, I love this video. Yes. Uh well, here's the thing. In my hometown, I don't remember when it happened exactly, but one day, and I was very young, I was probably like six years old, woke up, wanted to watch some MTV, and it was gone. The, MTV was gone. Yeah, we had a monopolized cable TV racket, and oh. I come from a college town that has a it's a it's a college town but it's a church of christ college and they have a lot of political influence mm. so the story goes that the local church of christ college had mtv banned from cable and this is when satellite dishes cost an enormous amount of money so we were just stuck without MTV growing up, but 
they did have uh, an alternative, and that was VH1. I grew up a VH1 kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember going to my grandmother's. We didn't have cable for a lot of my childhood, but I remember going to my grandmother's house, and she had cable, and it'd be like there I could watch Fraggle Rock. Yep. And also, <laughs> if you went to Channel 32, you could watch MTV. Yeah, and that's where I saw Prince. I saw everything. I saw this video for Sledgehammer, and exactly. You said your grandma's house. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, me too. Exactly. Um, I would I would go to my grandma's house probably every other weekend when I was like six, seven, and eight years old, and just uh -huh. spend, you know, like Friday night and all day Saturday with my grandma, and she had she had the cable, so. We would switch it back and forth from VH1 to um, the Nashville network, which was kind of like the country VH1. And uh, yeah, so Sledgehammer is probably how I got introduced to this album by watching that crazy video. It's an awesome video. Uh, actually, I'm surprised I, whenever you told me this is the album you wanted to do, I'm surprised I actually didn't rewatch the video for some reason. <laughs> we could probably spend the whole hour talking about the video for Sledgehammer. And and the hits have videos. I know that Don't Give Up has a video. I know that Big Time has a video. It's also crazy. They're all crazy. I'm not yeah. sure about In Your Eyes. I don't know if In Your Eyes has a video. It's got a famous... Uh, it's in that movie. <laughs> probably the most famous, yeah. Uh, it's got the say anything moment of John Cusack holding the boom box, which you don't see anymore. Boom box above his head outside of uh, what's her face's bedroom. It's iconic. In a image. very grand gesture of love. Yeah. If you were going to make a, a mural of the, the history of cinema, and you know you only had a certain amount of images you could fit onto a wall that john cusack image would probably go onto the wall most definitely even though i don't think that movie's that good it's oh it's not <laughs> but that image has endured mm -hmm. regardless of how good that movie is I i'm sure people have it in some kind of nostalgic sense of oh man i loved it but uh, i don't want to watch it yeah, I couldn't. I tried watching the movie years and years ago, and I, I don't think I could make it through. Yes, I've I've done that. I used to love the movie Goonies when mm. I was little. Yeah, uh, I've tried watching it as an adult, and I just didn't have the, the mind for it. I just, it was it was very difficult to watch it's, the Goonies now. It's hyper. That movie. It's just a lot of energy. Yeah. Um. I, I like to put Goonies on at night and like go to sleep to it, which is counter to what I just said, but I still do it. <laughs> Since we're talking about In Your Eyes, you know, it, it is a big, dumb, bold gesture. Like, have you ever done something like that? Just put it all out there just to say, hey, man, I love you. <laughs> just <laughs> to see what happens, you know? As um. I really don't think 
I've done anything, any kind of grand gesture like that. Uh, I've been with my partner for 20 years almost. So it's, it's kind of hard to uh, go back into the memory banks and, and, and try to remember anything I did like that when I was dating, because it's been so long since I was uh, dating, I guess. And my partner, Amber, and I, you know, we just, we have, we click. We do small stuff for each other all the time, but. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing huge. Yeah, I, I think that's really the whole boombox above the head. That's that's TV stuff. That's movie stuff. I will tell you this. I will tell yeah. you this, though. Um, when I'm doing improv, and if I'm doing a show and I just have no other ideas, one of my main one of my go-to scene initiations is to walk out and start yelling at somebody's window. You know, a la like Romeo and Juliet or Cyrano de Bergerac, going all the way back to those like early plays. But there's something I just really love about the the idea of typically a man yelling at the at the window of a at woman. At the kids. Yeah. Okay, no, I see that. Just like, yeah, you kids, shut it up. Or, oh yeah, there's that too. But I'm talking about, for whatever reason, you know, he's outside on the street, she's upstairs. Oh, and she's like already gone to bed or about to go to bed, and he just starts yelling. Like it's either it's a breakup or it's, um, you know, a profession of love or something mm-hmm. like that but the it's just one of the the sillier images that i enjoy uh well speaking of images i know the song red rain is it's kind of abstract and i've read that uh peter gabriel wrote that song from a dream where he was having of like wine bottles jumping off a cliff human shaped wine bottles jumping off a cliff and that was, <laughs> and then it was raining the red wine, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty crazy, but it's a great song, actually. I'm really mad at myself for never hearing this song before now. I think I read something similar to that, too, and a lot of these songs are, are like dreamscapes. Mm. Yeah, well, the first couple, the first, like, four songs, I guess the first half of the album, it's pretty standard. Uh, and then the second half kind of gets kind of abstract and weird and there there are a lot of different moods yes that are represented in this entire album and i think that's one of the reasons i love it so much because i put this album on when i'm in different moods yeah. Like if I'm having a really good day, I'll put this album on. If I'm having a really shitty day, I'll put this album on to like feel better. And it's just, I've always liked sad music. I've always liked sad songs. Something about sad songs make me feel really good. I'm saying sad songs make me happy. And I don't know if that's normal, but I don't have to be sad to want to listen to a sad song. I just think they're beautiful. They are. 
They are like Mercy Street. That is a sad song, but man, it that's is another a dreamscape song. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is a great song, really. And and it seems like it's based off a poem. I didn't read the poem. I probably should have read the poem. But you want to read the poem now? I've never read the poem. Uh, I well, let me see how long it is. It's a fucking poem. <laughs> let me see if I can pull up this poem here real quick. Forty-five Mercy Street is the poem. Okay, here it is. Oh, wow. Okay, it's... Okay, it's not... It's kind of long. Maybe I'll just read a part of it. In my dream, drilling into the marrow of my entire bone, my real dream, I'm walking up and down Beacon Hill, searching for a street sign, namely Mercy Street. Not there. I try the back bay. Not there. Not there. And yet I know the number, 45 Mercy Street. I know the stained glass window, the foyer, the three flights of the house with its parquet floors. I know the furniture and grandmother and mother, great-grandfather, great-grandmother, the servants. I know the cupboard of spode. I don't know what that is. The boat of ice, solid silver, where the butter sits in neat squares like strange giant teeth on the big mahogany table. I know it well, not there. And it goes on. It, it might be pretty long. That doesn't sound like a poem to me. I, I didn't hear a single rhyme. <laughs> I know, right? You're doing <laughs> poems wrong. It's, every line's got a rhyme. Come on. What are you doing? Where did you take poem class at? No, that, that was good. It definitely, you know, paints a picture. It does. It seems like it's a looking for familiarity and not finding it, it seems. Like it's something you remember, but you're not able to recapture it, I guess, is what I'm pulling from that. Yeah. And uh, also the dream thing. Mm -hmm. Wasn't she having a dream? Wasn't this her dream? I think it was a dream. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was a dream. Definitely a dream. That, yeah. Well, I guess a lot of dreams are like that. You're, you're dreaming and everything seems familiar. Everything is like, you know, you're in, you're back at your high school, but suddenly yeah. you turn the, turn the wall and, you know, and suddenly you're, you know, at, at your own house. Yeah. I, I guess dreams are like that. It's, it's pretty weird. Uh, dreams are insane. I, I really don't listen to them a lot. <laughs> Can't really trust uh, yeah. a dream. Can't really trust a non-rhyming poem either. So whatever. <laughs> dreams are insane do you ever have recurring dreams i would have them when i was little it's been a while since i've had a recurring dream yeah i had a recurring nightmare when i was little of uh just somebody standing outside my bedroom window was it somebody you knew or just no like no no shadow figure like, or something yeah exactly just the bad man was standing outside my window um and I taught myself at like 13 to lucid dream. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't have that like vocabulary for it, but I just noticed the pattern of having this reoccurring nightmare and it terrified me every time. And I thought the next time I have this nightmare, I'm going to do something about it. You had a plan. Yeah. And I like threw a, knife at the guy and it like shattered through the window (laughs) and it caught him like stabbed him and i never had that dream again wow okay yeah that is 
That's pretty impressive. <laughs> you killed a guy in your dream. You, I, I think you might have just saved us from Freddy Krueger. That killed... might be what happened there. Oh, yeah. uh, hold on a second. My phone is... I love it. I love that song. Was that Peter Gabriel? Uh, no, hold on just a second. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. This is Jacob, co-host of the Ginger on Ginger podcast. It's a free-flowing comedy show hosted by two of Montana's most award-winning red-headed comedians. Each week, myself and my co-host Alex offer the ginger perspective on a new topic with a candidness that would make fellow ginger Conan O'Brien blush. Subscribe to Ginger on Ginger on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash ginger on ginger to get bonus episodes, online game nights, and the opportunity to tell us exactly what to discuss. And don't forget to bring some sunscreen. Back to you, Levi. I just described your room for your listeners. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my bed is never made. It is in Who makes constant a bed? Why are you state. Make a bed? My mom makes her bed. Um, yeah. I was actually just talking to her about that the other day, um, that she makes her bed every day and she gets mad at my dad for messing it up yeah and it's not time to sleep people <laughs> need their rituals and uh, i have a few um like chore related rituals that i do yeah but as far as the bed goes there's only one time i think you need to make the bed and that is when you wash <laughs> when you wash the sheets and wash the blanket or the comforter and then you and then you make the bed after you wash them and yeah. uh and then you're not going to make that bed again until you wash the sheets like two or three weeks later like don't go longer than that you really need to wash your shit yeah i i i, I can that sounds like solid advice <laughs> don't wash your sheets except for every couple of weeks um you don't really need to make your bed yeah Another good time to make the bed is if you're having a party and that's where people are going to put their coats. A coat bed. Yeah. Well, the good thing about that is if you put all the coats on the bed, people are less likely to like sneak in there and have sex on your bed. Less likely. Yeah. It's just like, I invited you over to come out and drink. Don't need yeah. you like tearing up my bed and I'm going to sleep in that later. I don't need you to come destroy it. Have you ever had people have sex at your party before? <sighs> Not that I was aware of. Yeah. I've had parties with a lot of people. I don't think in the house. Maybe there was some hookups afterwards, but I'm pretty sure I've never had a people sneaking into a corner and getting it. But you know what? It, it, it wasn't me apparently. So, yeah. so you know, they're not going to tell me about it, I guess. I had a party in New York City once and and this couple these these this man and this woman met at this party. They didn't know each other and well, they hit it off pretty well. Because after about an hour, <laughs> they went into the bathroom, the only bathroom in the apartment. Ooh. And they had sex for like an hour. Wow. And in they were the probably doing they were probably doing cocaine and other stuff, but <laughs> uh they yeah, they commandeered the bathroom for an hour at a party. They had like twenty five people there. Oh man, yeah, that is a long time to hog up a bathroom at a party uh -huh. wait did you live on mercy street no that was on <laughs> okay diamond diamond street. oh that's even cooler actually 
Oh man, Diamond <laughs> Street was awesome. How does Diamond Street fit in here? Where would you would you crank this up at a party? Would you put on I would probably I worked at a bar in Greenpoint and that was where Diamond Street was in Greenpoint, but this bar was on Franklin and we played a lot of 80s music in that bar. And I would probably put this album on if I were mm -hmm. bartending. I would put this album on at like three o'clock in the morning when I want people to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's like wrap it up, guys. Get well, they would hear here. Sledgehammer and they would like dance and like want another drink. And by the time you got to Mercy Street, people would just be like, Meh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. Okay. Had my last shot. It's time to call it a night. Exactly. Last call. I'm playing Mercy Street. Get on out of here, guys. Don't give up. We'll really bring the place down. It was a really depressing song. It's probably the song on here that I liked the least, even though I liked most of the songs. That was the one. I mean, I, I like Kate Bush. Love Kate Bush. Uh, I loved her solo at the end or halfway through it. It was great. But I don't know. That one just didn't hit me. But I did read that that's a song. I guess it's more about un being the unemployed in the 80s. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people kind of read it as... Uh, you know, anti-suicide, and apparently a lot of people who were contemplating suicide listen to this song and just be like, hey, don't give up, you know, which is great. Yeah, that's what I thought the song was about the first 100 times I listened to it. <laughs> it's talking about standing on a bridge and not being able to take it anymore. Yeah. I don't know, does Peter Gabriel say that song's not about suicide? What, what I read is he said it was about he saw like depression era photography mm -hmm. uh in the the u.s depression era and he kind of just used that as part of what was going on in the uk in the 80s about margaret thatcher's like you know new what's the word new industrialization age i guess yeah. some kind of initiative they were doing at the time and he just kind of drew some parallels to that just like you know things will get better i mean it, it, it's still suicide talk in a way you know mm -hmm. things will get better things you know aren't always going to be like this you know wait for the improvement not wait that's i worded that wrong <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely got that um you know it talks about him being from a town where there used to be prosperity and that's gone yeah 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 uh, I grew up in a in a small town that had like it was like two employers. There was one a pacemaker factory, which I worked at, at for a short time, which was kind of cool actually. I still have like a little pacemaker that I fish out of the trash. But <laughs> there was another Dow. You know, everybody knows Dow. The cancer rate was pretty high in this coastal Texas town. So, uh, so, so I, I, I uh, yeah, small towns just doesn't give a lot of opportunity for people and i don't know i don't know where i was going with that well yeah i i hear you speaking of big time i guess <laughs> is like because peter gabriel says that he grew up in a small town yeah and just i i guess how people viewed him once he left town you know you they kind of maybe viewed him as oh mr big shot too good for us you know he's gonna go be <laughs> a big shot somewhere right in the city this has a really 
satirical tone to it because this is his first album that he ever made. He was with Genesis before he went out on his own. And this is his fifth album. And this is the most pop music album he's ever made. So big time to me kind of feels like he's making fun of himself for selling out to a pop sound which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And, and with like Mercy Street sounds like Peter Gabriel, like before this, because uh, mm-hmm. I was familiar with Peter Gabriel. I really liked when I was little, I really liked Yes. I like Genesis, I like Rush, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what filled my brain. And something like Mercy Street kind of fits more of the Genesis mold and where his musical mind was prior yeah. to this. Uh, you know, I love the bass work on this album. This is so much amazing bass. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so has some amazing bass work. I loved it in, yeah, especially the big time bass line is just amazing. This album is not part of a genre of music. Every song yeah, you're right. is a different right. style. Maybe that's one of the reasons I like it so much because, you know, it can make you feel like so many different things. This is the picture has excellent bass. And this is the picture is just, to me, in my opinion, Peter Gabriel said, I want to make a talking head song. Put it in here. You know what's weird? Whenever I ask you to be on this podcast and I told you, hey, pick an album. In my head, I pictured you saying you wanted to do a Talking Heads album. Oh, I love the Talking Heads. I, I figured it was, that's what I was expecting was Talking Heads. So uh-huh. it's interesting that you say that. But yeah, this is the picture. I guess it had Lori Anderson and she was famous for being basically a performance artist. Uh-huh. So when I first heard that, I, I was like, what? What's going on? Because it's a break from the rest of the album. It really is. But uh-huh. it fits. It does fit. I kind of loved it, though. It's I, I love my mind is naturally kind of drawn to the off kilter and kind of the weird aspects of everything. Oh, yeah, me too. The weirder, the better. That's probably why I love this album so much, because not only is the music weird, the the videos which introduced me to the music are some of the weirdest art films ever produced from the weirdest people like the people who made wallace and gromit and yes i think peewee's playhouse like that guy i can't remember those guys names it was the ardman animation yeah they did the sledgehammer video yeah nick park and i was a big peewee's playhouse fan too when that show was was coming on um i love that show yeah yeah i had all the toys and just would just like recite the episodes like after they aired all right well have have you ever seen peter gabriel live no no i don't know how you would do that i mean maybe not in the past year but before that anytime in your life no it's never been on my radar to see him live and i'm not really a big fan of peter gabriel i just fucking love this album it's not okay you know, when if you ask me who my favorite artists are, Peter Gabriel's not going to make the list. Huh. Okay. <laughs> no, but okay. That's how much this album has impacted me, though. Just, I think this album is, like I said, it's a timeless masterpiece. 
and there's you know i can name if you just tell me to name timeless masterpieces off the top of my head i would say like if i can just name artists here i'd probably name aretha franklin and led zeppelin and um marvin gay the miseducation of lauren hill i think is a timeless masterpiece it's hard the the more contemporary you get, the harder it is. I think Arcade Fires, The Suburbs is a timeless masterpiece. But that's like, that's it that I can name just off the top of my head without like taking some time to think about it. And and this would definitely be the one from the 80s. Do you have like a specific memory of listening to this album? Well, Amber and I performed a version of Don't Give Up at a show called Lip Stink at Cold Town, which is one of the uh, finest and best shows. Were you there? Were you doing tech? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever seen that. No. Okay. Lip Stink was a show, just a lip sync show. And he had people submit their songs and, and how they would lip sync it. And, uh, Chris McKeever did a song from The Little Mermaid. and Oh, I um, wish I'd seen this now. <laughs> Sophia Sherman and, and some other folks did, uh, oh, I, I can't remember what song they did. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michael DiCello did No, 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 No Way. No, No, No. What is that song? Really famous Broadway song. Uh, Adam and Stephanie did a song from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Dylan Garcia did <laughs> probably one of my favorite performances. Uh, Dylan Garcia did a drag version of Pearl Jam's Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but the show uh-huh. was fantastic. I mean, everybody was so. Wait, funny. as Jeremy? <laughs> As Jeremy, okay. Just, I just what? did a drag performance <laughs> of singing that oh, song. Man. A okay. drag. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, but everybody had some kind of ironic twist to their song, except for Michael DeCello, who just came out and just nailed one of the hardest songs there is to sing uh, or lip sync. Uh, it was, uh, it was a magical evening. So that's a really good memory because Amber and I did Don't Give Up and we um, we tried to recreate the music video the best we can. And that's just Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush wearing trench coats and hugging each other and spinning on a Lazy Susan and singing this song <laughs> while an eclipse is being projected behind them. Oh, uh-huh on a on a sound stage <laughs> and it's one shot the uh, whole video is one shot and it zooms in really slow and it zooms out really slow while this eclipse is happening and he sings facing the camera and by the time the the platform turns and we see kate bush's face it's her turn to sing so <laughs> um it was really uh it was stylized it was thought about it was executed very well but it's also very simple <laughs> yeah uh so amber and i did that but we weren't lip syncing we were um sort of just like emoting through it and we weren't getting we weren't getting the lyrics right 
and it took people a minute to catch on to that. And uh, there's this part where um, Peter just kind of like wails a little bit. He just kind of like, he kind of, um, what do you call it? There's a word for it. Um, belts. Yeah. He belts. This part. It's kind of a bridge part. And when he starts to belt, I just blew a big bubble of bubblegum. <laughs> Uh, it was oh, wow. silly. It was dumb. Um, but that's that's a really great memory that I'll always cherish because that show was so good. And, of course, we miss Cold Town Theater. Oh, definitely. But, yeah, I guess the other memory would just be, like, hanging out with my grandma. Memo, I called her. Memo Yerby. Just hanging out with her and watching cable TV, eating ice cream and drinking Coca-Cola. Yeah, we'd also watch Hee Haw and Ralph Emery show on on Good TNN, stuff. the Nashville Network. What was Channel Twenty Eight? Good times with grandmas. Yeah. Oh, she was a hoot. She was a hoot. She was a she was a funny woman, and mm-hmm. she played piano and sing and tell me nursery rhymes. <laughs> I I know some of the shows you created were music related, so I know you have. <laughs> like a love of music. Was your grandmother like an inspiration for all that? Or did she help instill that sort of idea into your head to appreciate music? Or, you know, was that just something formed in your head? Yeah, afterwards? I think she definitely was. She was definitely um, somebody who liked country music. And so when we would watch the Nashville Network, like, I mean, I was probably exposed to Dolly Parton and... Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and, you know, some of these icons. Um, I love Dolly Parton so much. Like, even before she paid for my vaccine, <laughs> um, even before she saved my life, I've always the Dolly loved Vax. Uh, Dolly Parton. Um, and uh, certain acts like that. Um, that I was exposed to through her. And I almost wanted to talk about the miseducation of Lauren Hill today. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because my mom had a great big um, collection of Motown records. That was her thing. If it came from Motown, like she was going to buy that album. And so. She passed away when I was 16 and uh, it was like a year later. That was like right around the time I started buying CDs and my mom loved this song. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes Love off that of song. you. You know that song? Love that song? I've done karaoke on that. Love it. It's a great song. And my mom loved that song. She played it over and over and over like, when I was real little, she would play that song. She would sing that song. And I went to see a movie right around the time that she died. It was called Conspiracy Theory. Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Okay. Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts. And there was a song on the soundtrack. That song was on the soundtrack, but it was a new version. It's by somebody I'd heard with the Fugees. It was Lauren Hill singing that song. And so sort of as a tribute to my mom, 
I went and I bought the album that that song was on, which is The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And that album is so much more than that pop song. It's deep. And uh, I think it's probably responsible for the man that I would grow up to be, more so than any particular album. That and the Beatles. <laughs> oh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. That is a timeless classic. Now the timeless classic. Okay, well, actually, my next question is actually going to be, what's on your replay right now? What else do you listen to right now that's just always in rotation? Shit. Okay. About two years ago, I started listening to songs that came out in 1972. On purpose? You just picked a year and... No, 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 no. It wasn't on purpose at all. I was listening to Todd Rundgren. And then what else would I listen to? Jim Croce. Uh Gordon Lightfoot. I got into these sort of like singer-songwriter guys from the early 70s. I started noticing a pattern of 1972. And then I kind of looked into the history and I saw, okay, well, Nixon was reelected that year. Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. And like just started going down this rabbit hole of songs, of, of albums from 1972. That was about two years ago. And I'm still kind of like in, that's still my rotation. Okay. I'm just digging on stuff from 1972. No. Yeah. Uh, not always all the time, but you know what I really like? The Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. <laughs> it is a great soundtrack. I know, right? Oh my word. Like I've wondered if I would enjoy a... that movie as much as I do if it didn't have that soundtrack. I, I can't separate oh, no, the two. No, no, absolutely not. But anyway, like just pick any random song off of the Guardians one or two soundtrack and hit radio and I'm I'm probably gonna be happy. I've been listening to a lot of Nancy Sinatra. Oh, okay. We're going to play a quick little game here. Okay, good. I love games. This is called Lyric or Just My Diary. I'm going to read you some words, and you got to tell me if it's lyrics from this album or something I made up, uh, Weird okay. Al style. So it'll fit All It'll right. fit somewhere. I might have just changed the words a little bit. Here's the first one. It's probably the easiest one. Show me around your fruit cage, because I will be your honeybee. That's from Sledgehammer. That's the lyric. All right. Here's the next one. You needed a friend. You chose the dark. You watched the water glisten and sat alone in fear. Mm, that could very easily be a lyric, but I can't place it. So I'm going to say diary. That is a diary. I changed <laughs> the words from that voice again. Uh, the original was, I want you close. I want you near. I can't help but listen. Fuck but I don't want to hear. Dude, we didn't even talk about that song. It's so good. Okay, we'll, we'll, come, back to, we'll come back to that one in a minute here. And then we, don't have to, we don't have to talk about it. People, listen to So. Listen to So. That's, that, that's, the, that's the takeaway in all of this. It's just listen to this album. I'm kicking myself for not have already listened to this whole album before. All right, here's the next one. Hit me. I've been stretching my mouth to let those big words come right out can't place it i'm gonna say diary oh no it's from big time i've been stretching oh. my mouth to let those big words come right out that's it that's it oh yeah uh, that's, that's fine 
Uh, next one. I'm sitting by the window watching the snow fall. That's that's your diary. Nope. It's from this is the picture. Shit. But the you know the weird thing about this is the picture is it just sounds like a bunch of words going. That's the talking head song. Yeah. That Peter Gabriel made. <laughs> All right. Last one. So many feelings feel the strength. Now those masks we all wear will now fall away. Trust your instincts on this one. Your diary. That's my diary. <laughs> As from in your eyes, all my instincts, they return, and the grand facade so soon will burn. Okay. Right. Well done. Nice diary. All right. My last real question is, are you able to sing your favorite line from this album? You can hum it. You can do whatever. Well, we already did the fruit cage. <laughs> Was that one of your favorites, really? <laughs> Uh, um, well, the first time I sang um, Sledgehammer at karaoke, I didn't know that lyric. Uh, Show me around your fruitcake, okay. and I will be your honeybee. I really didn't know what he was saying. And then when I saw those lyrics pop up <laughs> on the screen, I was like, oh, my oh. God, this song is dirty. It all makes sense now. Since we didn't talk about it, it's going to be... I want you close. I want you near. Don't have this thing. And the voice I hear. Hear that voice again. Oh, I want you close. I want you near. I don't really know okay, it. No, but yeah, but. I totally get it. Yeah, that's a good song, though. That song rocks. So I'm wondering, like, do you buy music now? Or do you just listen on streaming? Or do you get it on a final record uh, you search out a weird cassette tape or what uh before the pandemic we were going to the record store pretty frequently mm. and you know like once or twice a month oh nice i would spend like i would spend like 30 dollars either on a new vinyl or a stack of used vinyl uh 30 like maybe every other week yeah nice before the pandemic and i haven't been to a record store since then and I haven't ordered any records online, so I've just been streaming. Well, I use Spotify. It's probably the app that I use more than any other app on my phone. No, yeah, I use Spotify a lot for music, but I still like to buy my music. It's Sure, I do too. But you know what else I, I do? Um, I really, really love the radio. I really love not being in control of what I'm about to listen to and let the DJs, let the professionals do that for me. And every Saturday I wake up before 10 o'clock. I make sure that I wake up before 10 o'clock on Saturday and I put on co-op radio, K-O-O-P 91.7. And I listen to the lounge show. I listen to the jazz show. I listen to Adventures in Sound. I listen to all of those great Saturday shows. And then the next day on Sunday, I get up and I do it again. I make sure that I'm up before noon and I turn on uh, Jamaican Gold and Hip Hop Hooray and Free Samples. And that is like my weekend routine of like listening to those radio shows. And now what's fun about living in this age of technology is that I will listen to those radio shows. And if I really love a song, I'll Shazam it. And I just, I keep a, a, uh, 
a list in Shazam of the songs that I really, really love from their shows. Nice. Yeah, that's that's what that's my preferred method is just to turn on the radio or even on Spotify, like play a radio station based on an artist. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I love just hearing something new that I've never heard before and just falling in love with <laughs> whatever I just heard. So turn the radio on when I'm making something to eat or cleaning or whatever. I'll just Same. listen to the radio and just let that play. And I always check the website because they got the running list of what they just played. And it's like, check that out, check that out later, check that out later. It's great. It's a great mm-hmm. way to find new music, you know, so love it. We're lucky to live in a town with such an eclectic, you know, radio stations. KVRX is how I discover a lot of new music. It's the college UT radio station. They take over for KOOP after like nine o'clock at night and they'll run all night long. And they play a lot of K-pop uh, and J-pop on there that I would never like seek out. I would never know to seek it out, but yeah, I've discovered some weird Japanese music and just bands like those kids listen to Bandcamp. Oh, and SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what they do like all day long. They listen to Bandcamp and SoundCloud, and they find the best stuff, and they put it on the radio. Mm-hmm. So brand new. It's um, it's really fresh. It's- Give it up to those kids at KVRX, man. Like they don't have the DJing down very well. Like. I think I want to try to find some internet radio stations sort of outside of the yeah. the Austin FM area. Start listening to those. Like maybe I can find like some old country stations. Cool. Oh man. Uh, some old blues or jazz stations. Yeah. Growing up uh, in Houston, there used to be a big band station. And I remember like the DJ would like, you know, he'd get on there. He's like, nope, sorry, we don't have any white zombie, but <laughs> here's this, <laughs> you know. It was great. I-, I wish that station still existed, but it does not. When I was talking about growing up in Arkansas and, like, not having MTV, like, I had other things that it's probably good that I missed out on MTV, <laughs> to be honest, because I-, I had, like, outsource, you know, the alternatives. And one of the alternatives was the NPR station out of Little Rock, Arkansas, that plays nothing but news all day long. But then they switch over to like 10 o'clock at night. They would play jazz all night long until like 5 o'clock in the morning when the NPR news came back on. And so I would cruise around at night when I was like 17, 18 years old, discovering it up. Count Basie. Ah discovering Duke Ellington, Dave Brubeck, and, you know, stuff that I just would not be exposed to in my friend circles or my parents' friend circles. All right, Will, is there something you want to promote? Is there something you're doing that you want people to check out? Check out all the podcasts on Cold Town Radio. Do that. Definitely Um, do that. All the podcasts. We have a new podcast coming out called Cold Sound Theater that you're involved yeah in. definitely listen to that one <laughs> go to coldtowntheater.com and look at our classes because your ass hasn't socialized in over a year and it might be hard getting back out there and we offer support for you to just get back into society we have classes available 
CoTownTheater.com/register. And that's it. That's all I can plug. <laughs> all right, it's good. At the moment, I got stuff bubbling. All right, well, well, thank you, Will, for showing up and talking with me about music. It's great. Thank you, Levi. I had a really good, <laughs> good time. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, thank you. So please check us out with a new episode every other Monday and follow along on Facebook at Wax Poetic Podcast, on Instagram also at Wax Poetic Podcast, and on Twitter at Wax Poetic Pod. Levi Garcia has taken a phone call in the middle of his own podcast. And uh, let's talk about his room. He's got the gaming chair, pretty classic. He's got some nice LED blue lights on sconces on his wall. It seems to be over his bed. He's got the famous print of the Klimt painting, The Kiss. Uh, and there's some blue LED lights kind of shimmering on the the glass of the frame. It's making it look like it's uh, neon charged, a neon charged kiss. What else we got? We got some kind of machine. Oh, that's the microphone. That is what looks like a road microphone I can just see part of it and uh, the bed is not made and I can tell that Levi is a pillow guy I'm also a pillow guy I sleep with three pillows I see at least three pillows and what looks like a remote control on the bed I just described your room for your listeners <laughs> <laughs>